Live from our man caves in Virginia Beach, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, Blem. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of MLS Gone Wild. This is your host, Blem. What's up, everyone? This is Mike D. Hoping you're having a great week, and thanks again for joining us for another episode. MLS is back. Well, kind of. Players have begun reporting for preseason training ahead of the 26th season of Major League Soccer. But over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking with representatives of supporters groups from across the league. In this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, we are joined by Jorge Chavez, board member and one of the founding members of the original supporters group for Austin FC, Austin Anthem. Jorge, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Glad to be here with, with uh, you guys, Blake and Michael. Honored to be here. Jorge, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. I mean, considering uh, where we were uh, at this time uh, a couple of weeks back, frozen solid in place, I think we're doing well. <laughs> yeah, it's glad to see that you guys bounce back. And from what I've seen on social media, Austin Anthem has done a really good job uh, working with the community and giving them the resources and supplies that they need. But we'll get into that a little bit later when we touch on your guys' community work. So Jorge, MLS has made its way to the Texas Capitol. As we wait to see what Austin FC can do in their inaugural season, let's take a look back at the history of soccer in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. Professional soccer isn't new to Austin. Um, Over a decade ago in 2008, Austin Aztecs FC were playing in the USL, and currently Austin Bold FC is playing in the USL Championship. Give us a lesson on the history of soccer in the Texas Capitol. Well, uh, to be honest, I I was not... Uh, uh, very interested in local uh, soccer, uh, and as, so I'm not very well versed. But I, but I, you know, be, meeting with other fans, and there are there are quite a lot of Aztec, old Aztecs fans. They, unfortunately, um, you know, things out of their control uh, came about right around 2015. Uh, they were playing out of a basically a high high school stadium here in in Austin that was about 6,000 people uh, capacity. But then the uh, flood happened in Memorial Day t- in 2015 and, and they were that ruined the fields and, the, and, and damaged the stand. So they were not able to uh, have the rest of their season there. And then they, so they went to another uh, local high school park and uh, which was not obviously in a high school uh, stadium, you can't have beer sales, <laughs> so that put a little bit of a damper on the on the situation. And then when when uh, the 2016 uh, um, campaign was about to start, uh, USL uh, started having certain demands of stadiums that for for them to have you know the team a team in their sta- in that stadium, and there was really no stadium in the Austin area that would meet those. Uh, requirements so they just they just uh, folded the season thinking that oh but we'll just be back in 2017 and then that's when uh that was sold uh and t- so there was no team in 16 2017 and 2018 until uh it basically folded and then in 2018 is when the austin bold fc uh started uh up over at the circuit of the americas and they they seem to be doing well, except that, to be to be honest, it's a little bit non-centric to the Austin metro area. It's a little bit far away, 
so the attendance was a little lacking, uh, but but they're still they're still around. Their they, their season starts again this week. Uh, as far as we know, there's no formal relationship between the two entities franchises. They haven't even scheduled any practice games at all. So I'm not sure why not, but but uh, but yeah. So that's that's kind of the 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 historical background on some of the. Uh, uh, semi-pro, I guess, or USL teams that have been here before. Seems like you know a little bit about the history. <laughs> uh, a little bit. I mean, like I said, we we talked to uh, several people uh, in in that are that are longtime supporters of soccer here, and uh, you know, the things are just different, as you guys know. Uh, things change. 2010 Austin is not the same as 2020 Austin. It's much bigger. Uh, because uh, I, I, I work actually work for the city of Austin, uh, and so we get a lot of demographic reports and uh, some something around the lines of 130 people per day move to Austin from outside. Wow. So, uh, and a lot of those are from California, from Florida, Chicago, New York, those kinds of areas, and so they bring with them their fandom. And a lot of those those people coming here are fans of soccer. So obviously, the interest has grown a lot. And Austics, uh, the Austin Aztecs has sort of gone by the wayside, to be honest. Yeah, and that's actually the second time I believe the Aztecs have gone to the wayside because originally they were moved to Orlando and they right. became what is now Orlando City. Correct. But, and uh, I can relate to something that you just said about Austin Bold Stadium being, you know, not downtown. You know, Columbus right. Crew, who we'll get into it later, we're both yeah. Crew fans. Right. Anthony Precourt, who we will get into later, wanted that stadium downtown. And if he didn't get it, all right, we're moving the team to Austin. Right. Um, so, so I understand fans not showing up. Right. But it's, it's really cool that you guys have had that taste of soccer dating back to, you know, over a decade now with Austin Aztecs and the bold. Right. So you guys have a taste, but now you actually have a professional team playing in the top division in a major professional sport. Right. With that being said, why do you think Austin is a good fit for MLS? Well, uh, like like I had uh, uh, talked with with Michael just previously, uh, I think the demographics have a lot to do with it, uh, in the sense that we have a lot of people, a lot of new people coming in to live in Austin FC, and they bring their fandom with them, and not all of them are UT fans. Uh, so, you know, for a long time. It, the University of Texas was the center of the sports world here in Austin. And they still are, to be honest. But I think uh, just kind of on the outskirts have been fans of other sports and specifically soccer. Uh, to, just to give you a little bit of, of, of a taste of what's going on in Austin, uh, they're really, it's, we're kind of, because we're so close to Mexico, there's a lot of uh, Hispanic fans here in the city and so we have a lot of uh, fans from Liga MX, a lot of Tigres fans, a lot of America, eh, Rayados, uh, Chivas. So, so there's there's that. And so a lot of immigrants that, uh, that come that come from from Mexico bring with them that passion. They pass it on to their kids. Uh, then then there's teams from South America. So we have a lot of fans of of. Uh, of uh, of Boca Juniors, uh, Millonarios, a lot of fans from Central American teams. So, you know, it, it's going to be it's pretty hard to be a fan of a team that's a thousand miles away and 
sometimes you can't see that team. So a lot of those have started migrating into, oh, well, I'll support Dynamo because they're here. Or they start supporting teams from Monterrey, which is four or five hours away from Austin. So the interest has always been there. Then additionally from that, like uh, Austin being such a cosmopolitan place, it also attracts a lot of Europeans. So you see a lot of Liverpool fans here. Uh, you see a lot of uh, a lot of Chelsea fans. There's a lot of bars here that cater to watch parties for those games. Uh, you have a lot of Bundesliga fans, a lot of Dortmund fans, uh, so Bar- a lot, a lot of Barcelona fans. So they're really there's these pockets of a lot of fans, and so that really it would be very rare for a you know maybe a Chelsea fan to be seen in the same area as a Tigres fan because they're just fans of different leagues, different languages, etc. But now that we have Austin as the focal point for all of these fandoms, uh, I-, I think that speaks for itself in that, you know, we, we, we I think, if I'm not mistaken, we still have the record of the number of deposit deposits on the first couple of days when they went on sale. And in addition to that, there's a, they, I think they just announced that there's an 11,000 person wait list for games. So it's, it, it got pretty popular fairly quickly and it stayed popular the market is there and the demand is there now you talked about some of the demographics you said you work for the city of austin and about 130 people move into austin from outside what is like the age range there are a lot of young people moving into austin yes that that was that's the other part of the demographic is that is, is that a lot of single people a lot of young families uh they're attracted uh austin has become a sort of tech hub very similar to what you see in, 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 uh, in, in Silicon Valley in California. So there's a lot of tech uh, companies moving here. Um, Elon Musk has just announced that he's going to move his, some of his Tesla plants here. And so uh, there's, there's a lot of growth going on in, that, in those types of environments. So, and, and along with, and it's not, it's, and it's not middle income, it's, it's pretty high income people that, that like to be entertained, they want to be entertained. And so that, that's one of the interesting demographic, interesting note is that we just finished seeing, you know, I guess you could talk to your FC Cincinnati uh, fans uh, next week, but our prices are actually lower than FC Cincinnati, which is odd to me because I thought, you know, honestly, when, when, as, as part of the Austin Anthem, we were able to get in line first for season tickets, but, the, the prices weren't really available until slightly before. So we were thinking, oh, man, these tickets are going to be really expensive. And to be honest, we were pleasantly surprised that they weren't. That doesn't mean that they're going to increase in price <laughs> next year because of the demand. But, but I think it was a good strategy to kind of come in a little low or kind of middle of the ground as compared to all other MLS teams uh, in price range that I think was, uh, it was important so that they provide, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a, a FOMO, fear of missing out on, on the type of, of uh, on, on the activities that, that are going to happen around the team. Because as you guys know, it, it, you, just, just, you just don't go to a game and leave. It's, it's an all-day event. You know, there's a, uh, you know, you go to your favorite bar beforehand, you stick spend a couple of hours with your friends, you march to the stadium, you're at the stadium 90 minutes 
two hours and then you leave and you go back to the same bars and you spend the rest of the day. So it's, it's, it's a full day thing. And, and so I think a lot of fans are, are looking forward to that festival like activity, because even if, even for a football team, you only get six or seven home games out of a four, 10, 12 game season. So there's only six opportunities to do that here in Austin. Now we get 17. So I think it, I think it's a, I think that I think they, the the way they priced things was very good, and and then and then we're just I think we're working in, in us as Austin Anthem and the other other supporters groups are working in in concert with a photo to just spread the word of how how much more than a game it's going to be during those during those days. Yeah, and the pricing plays a huge role in getting fans to the stadium. I don't know if you saw, but recently over the past two weeks, Charlotte FC, who's not even slated to come into the league until, I believe, 2022, they released right. their season ticket uh, member prices, and they are ridiculous, and they're getting a huge backlash. And, you know, who knows? If they see Austin come in with these lower ticket prices and you guys already have a wait list of 11,000 fans and right. you guys are selling out if you can in 2021 – you right. know, they, they may budge on that, but I think that's smart coming in in your inaugural season. But I do have one more question before we move on, Jorge. Mm -hmm. You talked about Austin FC. It's a tech hub. Anthony Precourt, I'm going back to him. This whole – he wanted to move the, team, the Columbus crew to Austin happened in 2017. When did right. Austin really start to boom? Um, I think it started to boom probably around 2016 – maybe uh it's always been constant uh i i moved in i moved to the area in 2008 i'm originally from el paso texas so you know it's a different vibe it, you know really uh it's just a night and day difference so when i moved here it was relatively comfortable but then uh right around i want to say like i said 2014 2015 is when we started to see the the different the different diversity that that the city uh was able to attract and because right around there and uh started to see people people more from california move here probably driven by the by the prices the high prices of property there in california so we started seeing a lot of that influx going coming to this to the area and and the same thing from the other from the east coast you know your your georgia's uh West Virginia, for Florida, those kinds of areas. Same issues that they started attracting uh, uh, people here. And to be honest, uh, when the 2008 uh, bubble burst for the housing, it honestly it did not affect Austin that much. So uh, there was a lot of unemployment going on all over the place, all over the state, really, except for Central Texas. So I think the the prospect of low income it was relatively affordable it still kind of is now so i think the, the combination of those things and just opportunities that were available uh from other uh for certain uh, business and and commerce areas i think that attracted a lot of the diversity and that's and i think when 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 things started uh when austin started getting notice uh for a lot of from a lot of sports entities and obviously that attracted uh pre-court as well because he if i'm not mistaken he's from originally from california so he probably was uh, looking at those types of demographics, and he probably, you know, growing. He, I think, he went to school in the area. I'm not, I, I honestly, I don't know that much about Precord, but uh, but he 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 did, I guess, uh, found that 
that there was going to be that interest here and and so that's and that's where we are now i guess he we both got what we needed i guess yeah he knew what he was doing he was looking at that market but jorge yeah. five years five years after you moved from el paso to austin austin anthem was founded yes uh 2013 a very interesting year because that's i i am 100 percent. it was just a coincidence that's when pre-court bought columbus crew so but uh in 2013 uh a guy that was part of ben of uh of the supporters group over in philadelphia he moved to austin with his with his family and uh he big fan you know of of mls and other uh, european leagues and he he started to see the potential of uh of, of the fans that are here and he started to see, well, why, why can't we have an MLS team? So he started talking to local, local businesses and local soccer uh, people in the know. And he sort of trying started contacting his people that he, that he could get a hold of an MLS. And it just sort of started from there as a, as a grassroots, you know, trying to attract interest to, to getting an expansion team here with business owners and, and the like. And, uh, and honestly, the impetus of, 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 of the interest started when in 2017, when, when Precord announced that he was moving the team to Austin, uh, the city of Austin itself, I think, was always looking for something. They all, obviously, they knew the demographics were changing, but they needed, they needed, they wanted something to attract and to unite the city because it, it'd be very rare you know, it's, it's just human nature. If you see a lot of bunch of Californians, you see, you're going to think, oh, they're taking over my space. So, you know, they, they were looking at to something to unite the different parts of the city and in, into events. And, and so, you know, something else that was very, that's always been an attraction to Austin has been South by Southwest, uh, Austin city limits, you know, those kinds of events. There's a lot of conference areas. So people from around the world regularly travel to Austin for, for, for work or, you know, conferences and that kind of thing. And they always wanted something to, to entertain themselves with. And so that's when the city got involved that, well, why don't we help, you know, with providing some of the, some areas that, that are, that may be suitable for a stadium. And that's what started really the, the cooperation between the city and uh, Anthony Precord and uh, Precord Ventures. And so, and that's, around the time when we got involved as well uh, in 2017 to kind of promote the idea and, and say that, you know, Austin FC, ha Austin, uh, the city of Austin can provide uh, fans for these kinds of events for a team. They can sustain a team. So I think uh, everything kind of worked in conjunction with each other and, and it, it, it just made it all happen. That's amazing. You know, the culmination of the grassroots movement, Anthony Precourt coming, and it just kind of seems like it was the perfect recipe to finally bring what you guys have been seeking for such a long time. Right. Um, what were your emotions when you guys finally reached your goal? Um, I was actually there. Uh, they, they had a, the things had to fall in place. And the first thing that needed to happen is that the city of Austin had to come to an agreement with a Precourt Ventures to, to build a stadium. If the vote to go ahead with that agreement failed, the dream was over. But, and to be honest, I, I mean, it, it, it seemed kind of 
seemed kind of odd because we tried we would try to gauge the interest of the council members to say oh they're in the pro stadium column they're in neutral and they're definitely against and to be honest uh from the questions and the interest that we saw in some of the council members because a lot of us and ended up going to council city meetings when they discussed these issues and we could we couldn't tell what the what how the which way the wind blew for some of these council members that you, you you could see that they asked questions and they were it it sort of felt like like the the like the supreme court in a sense that you know the supreme court judges made some certain questions that you thought oh man they hate us and so when the vote was there to to agree to the to the build the the construction of the stadium ended up being seven to four which is amazing because so we already knew who the four council members were that were going to be totally against the 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 agreement but we didn't know about the other seven and and they were so enthusiastic in the vote i said oh yeah ole ole and they started doing the chances it was weird it was it was like 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 a big surprise and i was fortunate to be there with a lot of uh, the hardcore type fans so it was very 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 emotional uh well that that vote it awesome. had to had to be satisfying after all that hard work starting in 2013 to be awarded what you guys initially set out to be but right. jorge any in the, in the intro we mentioned that you're a founding member and a board member for the supporters group what will be your responsibilities on match day and behind the scenes as a board member well, um, I, I was actually, I'm, I wasn't there from the beginning of the grassroots organization. I'll just clear that up right now. The 2013, uh, the, the founder of, of what, what used to be called MLS in Austin, uh, that's when he started, you know, meeting with people and that kind of stuff. But by 2017, uh, when, when the movement started, that's when I started to get in, to be interested uh, uh, in joining. And so by the time 2018 rolled out, having already established that Austin, if Austin was going to have an MLS team, that's when Austin Anthem was formed. And that's, and by then I was involved with, with the organization. So I guess you could say I'm a founding member of Austin Anthem, <laughs> but anyway, just to clear that up. But uh, so I've been involved with Austin Anthem since 2018. And really my role as a board member is just to be, just to help all, help out all the other members of Austin Anthem uh, with their concerns, with, with helping, you know, organize the, the TFOs and, and the music and, and events that we, that we have and all these kind of stuff. It's been very difficult as you guys probably understand with COVID restrictions. Um, right when we were getting, uh, you know, getting in stride with having our events and having, you know, the music and, and all this kind of stuff happening, that's when COVID hit and we were, we ended up getting stuck at home. So it made it very difficult to hold events to, to keep the enthusiasm going through the screen, but basically it, yeah, so it was, it was very difficult. We did go through some growing pains and, and that kind of thing. And some people decided to, to form another group. So we work with them as well. So uh, I think it, um, uh, I, I think it went, it went fairly well. And what I do handle within the, the organization is uh, I handle a lot of their Spanish uh, content. So a, a lot of the, uh, the Instagram, the, the Twitters and, and the newsletters that we send out to our members are going to be in Spanish as well. So, because again, like I said in the beginning, uh, the demographics for Austin are really, it's about 35 to 40% that are Hispanic. And, and so they're, 
and most of them are very, fairly new to the city. So they're not going to be lifelong horn, uh, Longhorn supporters. They're going to bring, you know, their America passion and their Liga MX passion. So my, uh, my job here with the organization is to kind of translate a lot of that information that Austin FC provides uh, and that we create uh, and, and attract members to the organization and, and, and to be part of the, the game day activities. But you also do a podcast. You're a host and co-host of the yes. Austin Anthem podcast. Tell us a little bit about that and where people can listen. Yes, uh, we um, actually am part of two um, efforts here. One of them is the Austin Anthem podcast in Spanish. It's called El Himno de Austin podcast. And uh, really, we just, uh, it's, it's, for now, it's a bi-weekly show. We have, we, because of the COVID situation and, and the freeze, we had to pause that for a second, but uh, we're slated to have another podcast here in Spanish in the next couple of days. But the English uh, podcast uh, for, I regularly contribute to them as well. So they're, they're doing a bi-weekly uh, offer. Um, uh, most of these are available through your podcast of choice, Spotify, you know, Apple podcasts, it, we're we're Stitcher. We're in all of those, so you can definitely uh, subscribe to those to get to, uh, to know Austin FC and Austin and Anthem. But additionally to that, uh, I'm a part of a local uh, radio station uh, show uh, called uh, Football en Vivo, which is on the radio and on the podcast. And it's an interesting concept because half the show is done in English and the other half is done in Spanish. So you know, uh, again, we we feel that the that we try to cater to the Spanish speaking audience as much as we can. So we try to provide the same content that we write in English, we provide in Spanish. And as, as you guys may or may not know, the passion of a of Spanish speaking soccer fan is a little different than a, the passion of an English uh, fan. So uh, we try to balance both as, as best as possible. And, and, you know, there's, 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 we're starting to get some interest with, with some of the local, uh, you know, uh, Spanish broadcasters from Univision and Telemundo and all those kinds of, of folks. So the interest is there for Spanish content and we're, we're, we're doing our best to provide that. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job and Jorge, for you, for you, you're doing a great job as well. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Sounds like you're wealth, a man Wealth of knowledge. Hats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I talk a lot. What can I say? And I talk a lot in both languages, so... <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you uh, definitely have your plate full. But we definitely. talked a little bit earlier in the episode about community service. So Austin Anthem is committed to community. And that has been even more apparent following February's winter storm and the freeze that caused Texans to lose power, have to boil water for safe drinking and cooking and even, you know, loss of food, and, you know, and supply and the shortages there. What has your supporters group done to provide for your community in this time of need and what other volunteer work does Austin Anthem participate in? Well, historically we have, we have had a very good relation with, uh, with the uh, central Texas food bank, which is a, a pantry uh, for, for low income folks here in, in the central uh, based in, in Austin. And they provide a lot of help and assistance to a lot of people with low income. And then additionally to that, we've, we have our, an annual toys for toss toys for tots drive uh that to help out again the community and help out some some of the local folks and then uh, in addition to that we help uh we've we've helped a women's shelter with some volunteer work uh, a lot of our our folks do a lot of uh 
not really Austin Anthem promoted uh, volunteer work. We, we, that's really, we don't really work that way, but, but as a volunteer organization, we provide volunteers for other, for other causes. Uh, so like one of them that, that is, uh, that we're, super proud of participating in was one of that we came up with in conjunction with other uh, ISC members. Uh, inter, uh, you, you guys are familiar with that organization. It's the, it's an organization that organizes other SGs around the country. So uh, a few of the Nordic uh, folks are part of that initiative. So we were able to come up with other ISC members from Texas, uh, the surge, uh, you know, uh, uh, are some uh, Dallas Beer Guardians and some other organizations, and we were able to come up with a scarf where the all the all the profits from the selling of that scarf will go to local food banks in Dallas, Houston, Denton, uh, Fort Worth, and here in in Austin uh, and San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, so we're hosting the the sale of that scarf, and that's gone very very well. We've also promoted. Uh, one of the initiatives that one of the local, one of our new players actually was able to start. Uh, Matt Beasler started a, a GoFund uh, drive with his fellow uh, teammates on Austin FC, and that kind of spurred Austin FC Dallas players to do their own, and Houston Dynamo and Houston Dash to do their own. So uh, we kind of helped promote those those organizations as well. And so, you know, again, because of COVID, we've been uh, very limited in the type of stuff that we can do. I mean, most of what we can do is just donations. We can't really have drives or food drives or anything like that. But hopefully, I mean, we are able to get back into that cycle of uh, volunteer work uh, coming up uh, with a, as COVID restrictions ease up. So we we're definitely looking forward to get out in the community and help help out in any uh, area that we can. Uh, and Jorge, I know you can see behind me, you got a bunch of scarves. I'm going to go ahead and buy Mike D and myself two of those scarves Great. tonight where you, where you guys partnered up with the other independent supporters council members from around Texas. So mark my words, I'm going to go ahead and get those tonight. So, That's great. Uh, and, and it's really good looking. It's a really good looking and it's, it's a little funny. Uh, there's two choices that you can have. And one of them has to do references a certain politician that went to a certain Mexican resort and was shamed to, to coming back. It references that. So I don't know if that'll interest you, <laughs> but we definitely took advantage of that situation. Put it that way. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll check, I'll check out my two options, <laughs> but on top of you guys partnering up with the ISC members from the other MLS clubs in Texas, I did see that Nordeca, the supporter, the main supporters group for the Columbus crew donated some money and the fans of Nordeca donated some money over to Austin Anthem or whatever yes. the, the GoFundMe was and whoever that was through. Right. I, I did want to uh, kind of mention that real quick is that, you know, the, the, it wasn't just Austin uh, or Texas fans that, that supported that effort. Uh, it was, uh, we, we saw, you know, cause when you go to a GoFundMe, you can see the messages and that kind of stuff. It was a lot of Columbus uh, fans that, that were, that, that contributed to that effort. And, and it's really, really appreciate it. And it just goes to show that, you know, there are probably some issues and there probably still are issues amongst our, our, our supporters, but all in all, it's just, it's, it's uh, the friendly banter comes in and play uh, and I like to emphasize the friendly part. 
you know, we, we both love our teams. We both love the, the sport. And, you know, I myself as a U.S. men's big time U.S. Uh, national team supporter. So I understand the value of, of what Columbus means to the to the to the team big fan of Dos Acero so that was that's great and so I hope that comes back but uh, I do um, think that stuff like this when when real issues come up people step up and and obviously uh, Columbus crew and Nordic uh, uh, members were able to do that and promoted that from their end and and greatly greatly helped in that effort. Jorge, that is an absolutely perfect segue into my next question. So as a member of Austin Anthem, a supporters group that lobbied for soccer in your city, what were your thoughts on Columbus potentially losing their professional soccer team? Well, our focus uh, for Austin Anthem and MLS in, in Austin was always to, to support whichever entity wanted to bring, begin a team here. Uh, like I said, uh, we, we, that, that's really what excited us to go to these council meetings. Uh, we were there at, at times at three in the morning. And if there was, if, if the, if the stadium was going to be discussed, we were totally in support of attending those. So, uh, to be honest, uh, our efforts weren't really efforts to be, to deprive Columbus of their team. It just so happens that, you know, like, like Michael had mentioned earlier, it's just a, a coincidence of, of things that happened is that, you know, he wanted to move the team and we already had an established base of, of people of fans that wanted an MLS team here. And so it just, it just made sense that, that that's certainly what ended up happening is that we helped each other attract that attention for the city council, that there was going to be enough interest to bring a team here from M for MLS. I'm completely here for friendly banter, like we just talked about, Jorge. Right. But on social media, sometimes we, you know, we announced that we were going to be talking to a representative from Austin Anthem, and we had a little bit of pushback from crew fans. Right. Like, why would you guys do that? You know, we've, we're crew fans. We've interviewed crew players, color commentators, stuff like that. And like, why would you guys interview an Austin uh, representative? Right. So obviously, you're part of Austin Anthem. Does everybody feel the way you feel, or? is there a little bit of animosity between the two? Because that's what I feel. I don't feel animosity towards you, but that's when I read the room of Twitter, right. that's kind of how I feel. And it feels like we're rivals. It, it does in a sense. And, and we'll be, I'll be totally honest on if you, if you were to go by what Twitter says, it'd be a much different vibe. I, I'll, I'll be totally honest. Uh, I've talked to many fans here in Austin and they have no idea who Precord is. They had no idea. Oh, they, 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 they used to own the, the team in Columbus. So they, a lot of fans don't even know what's going on. They're just happy that the team is here. I don't know if that's the same feeling in Columbus. Uh, they're probably a little more because the team has been there since the beginning. Uh, they they are, a lot, are a lot more invested in uh, the, the team because uh, from what I understand, it's, it's similar to Austin in the sense that there's, I think you have the, you guys have the hockey team, uh, as in the NHL, but other than that, it's it's the MLS team, and and so most of if it's similar to here, most of the fans in Columbus follow the Ohio State, much like in here, most of the fans follow UT. So I don't think there's a lot of people that are invested in a rivalry, but uh, I I think it's too early to to tell 
if we're going to be rivals, even if we're, because you guys are going to be in the Eastern Conference, we're slated to play in the Western Conference. So that in and of itself means we will only meet one time per season. I imagine one time with in you guys' stadium, one time in our guys' stadium. So it doesn't lend itself to say like an LAFC, LA Galaxy type of type of situation. But but it, it's understandable that you know that you had get some pushback on some of the uh, uh, from some of the fans on on Austin Anthem uh, and Austin in general. And so uh, you know we're we're just happy that the we're just happy that things ended up the way they did. You guys got to keep your team. You guys, in fact, got better because you won the. In fact, you won the MLS team, and and that attracted that attracted a lot of fans in your end. And I th so I think it, I, I think it in, in a weird sort of way, it attracted more attention for Columbus to get people in the stands, and so and that just attracted more attention for us that we was that was already there. So, listen, let's call it yeah. spade a spade. You know, people do this thing, and it's called projecting. Yes. And a lot of people, especially from Columbus, you know, they are doing this projecting thing because of Anthony Freeport. It has nothing to right. do with Austin. So they're going to take that to their grave and they're going to they're going to take down everybody yeah. in, their, in their path. Right. Because, I mean, I, I, I follow sports pretty well. And I remember when the when the Browns moved to Baltimore. So it, it's a very similar type of situation that could have happened. And, you know, Cleveland Browns being one of the founding football teams of the of American professional football, you know, I, I felt for them, uh, you know, losing their team and then having it come back and really not doing very well at all until recently. It, 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 it's a, a punch in the gut. And Indianapolis went to the same thing with Baltimore Colts. So it was, it, 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 it happens in soccer. You know, it happened with, with, uh, with the Quakes when they moved to, to Houston back in the day. Uh, so it, it, it does happen sometimes, but, uh, uh, you know, kudos to save the crew roots, uh, that came up with us with a solution. We're able to do in a sense, the same thing we did attract attention that it, it was worth saving in Columbus, that there are fans in Columbus that are willing to, you know, to help the team out, uh, it, you know, fans in, in attendance wise and all that kind of stuff. And it's similar to, to us, you know, we're, we are an unproven MLS city. So we, it, it could have been, you know, a, sh a shot in the dark in a sense that it, can, it may or may not happen. And when we saw the, the 30,000 people put deposits on the seats, that sort of made ease the fears of a lot of people that, that had doubts to see if Austin was able to, to support a team. And it looks like whatever ended up happening ended up happen, helping both cities achieve their goals. We got soccer in both cities, boys. I love it. Mike yes. D, you know I love my hypotheticals. So hypothetically speaking, we have not seen the 2021 MLS regular season schedule yet. Right. L let's say Austin FC travels to Mapry Stadium, the stadium right. pre-court, trying to take them out of week one. Are you guys here for that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we are excited uh, about, you know, going looking at where things go because um, – I'll, we we know a few fans that that were bold enough to go when Austin, the Austin FC brand was announced and and you know with a green logo and all that kind of stuff. There were a few fans that went to Columbus games uh, wearing that stuff, and 
the reports we got back were <laughs> uh, interesting great, sure. to say the least. <laughs> but for the most part, uh, I think people understood that, you know, it, you know, we are where we are now. Uh, that, that when that inc those incidents happened, obviously it wasn't this year because, you know, COVID. So it was the previous year before that in 2019. So there was some friction. I'll, 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 I'll have to admit, but uh, I think, Again, we, if we go back to the basics of, of both uh, fan groups loving soccer, uh, we have probably a lot more in common that, than what people would, would think. Uh, we're a very liberal city, so there's, you know, there's that aspect of, of the fandom. And so we support a lot of the same type of issues. Uh, so we're very similar in size. So uh, the, the, the only difference would be maybe the demographics of, uh, of, of the of the of the city of the population but i think for the love of soccer is still there for both teams for both cities i couldn't agree more listeners we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors at a time outfitters stick around because after the break we will be discussing austin fc's potential starting lineup what to do with their final designated player roster spot season predictions and what opposing fans should expect when traveling to q2 stadium we'll be back in 60 seconds We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Moments like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtic's 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever. Those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? At a Time Outfitters creates soccer-inspired wristbands to let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each added time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addedtime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters. Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 4 of MLS Gone Wild, featuring Austin Anthem board member Jorge Chavez. Head over to AddedTimeOutfitters.com for all your soccer-inspired wristbands and accessories. Use promo code GONEWILD, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your entire order. All right. Opening day of the MLS's 26th season kicks off in around 45 days. Mm -hmm. So let's get to speculating Austin FC's inaugural starting 11. Austin have signed veteran defenders such as Matt Beasler, Nick Lima, and Ben Sweat, midfielders such as Diego Fagundes and Alex Ring, and forwards like Danny Husen and Kakuta Mane. Two DPs, Thomas Potticino and Cecilia Dominguez. Jorge, what formation are you lining up in, and what is your starting 11 in the inaugural MLS match for Austin FC? Um... Because it, I think it has to do, first of all, as the, as the alignment that we are going to see or the formation that we're going to see out of the team. Josh Wolf, uh, the head coach, uh, has many years of experience as an assistant for Greg Berhalter, both in, the, in Columbus, uh, yeah, with the United, if I'm not mistaken, and the United States uh, national team. And they run a 4-3-3. Four, uh, four, three, three. So uh, I, we fully expect Josh Wolf to be to employ the same uh, a lineup when he puts out his team. So uh, 
you know, many fans have had their thoughts, but um, I think, uh, to be honest, I think a lot of the pundits for MLS and upside observers have been pretty impressed with the types of players that Austin FC, uh, Josh Wolf, and obviously Claudio Reina, uh, he, you know, he's had a lot, he has a lot of experience, not, not just in MLS, but in starting an MLS team because he was a first general manager for NYCFC. So he, he knows people from around the world. Uh, he's obviously worked and played with Josh Wolf, uh, at, both in the national team. So he understands, I think they understand each other, what type of players that they want. So again, going back to uh, the 433 foundation that they're going to get, uh, the consensus, I think, is that they're going to have Ben Sweat at left back, um, Matt Beisler and Johan Romagna as center backs, and Nick Lima as right back. And then f- as midfielders, Alex Ring, Tomas Pochettino, and Diego Fagundes. And up front, they're going to have Cecilio Dominguez, Danny Hosen, and Rodney Redes. Um, one question that, that could um, uh, come up with is the inclusion of, say, uh, Rodney Redes and Johan Romagna, because they don't have that much experience, uh, obviously, in MLS. But at the same time, they have a lot of experience in Libertadores. So, you know, in, the, in Copa Libertadores, as, as you guys may know, it's, it's a very rough competition. It's, you know, the Conmebol, it's, it's basically a rugby match. They are, they are rough and tumble. It's not a finesse type of situation because... You know, if, if there's a certain team that's a lower level that goes up against Boca Juniors or, or one, you know, one of, the, one of these types of Colo Colo teams and that, that are high elite, they're going to be just like the minnows of CONCACAF going up against Mexico or United States. They're going to tackle you. So they're, they're, it's a rough, rough tournament. And, and uh, the guys like Rodney Redes, Diego Domínguez, uh, Cecilio Dominguez, and Johan Romagna have experience playing in those types of games. So, uh, so it may not be MLS experience, but it, it certainly is world experience. So I think they're pretty set in that lineup. Uh, we still don't know uh, who else they're, they're going to bring in the team. I think they have 25 or 24 players in their roster. Then MLS teams are allowed 30. So they still have five or five or six to go. So, but I think they're, I think uh, MLS pundits are pretty impressed with the top, with the hall that uh, Austin FC has been able to attract. Yeah, you you mentioned not, those those players not having the experience in the MLS, but like you said, those other leagues, you know, Liga MX. A lot of the MLS, you know, has players from the Liga Liga MX, and um, the MLS has been kind of deemed uh, a rougher league as well. So not quite as as rough as some of those leagues that you mentioned, but right. the MLS kind of does fit into that that same spectrum. So it will be interesting to see. But another question that I have for you is, with that lineup, who wears the, the captain's armband and why? Um, very interesting question because they, they were able to uh, get uh, Matt Beasler and Alex Rings. Alex Ring, I'm um, sorry, from NYCFC, and both have been captains in their respective teams. So um, uh, just quick mention that preseason was not supposed to start till next week on the 8th. Uh, but but since you guys won won the league, you you start you started your your training a little earlier, if I'm not mistaken, to so get ready for Concacaf Champions League and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we but but the players for Austin FC were able to start training already uh, because I think one of the issues was that the COVID 
19 restrictions and protocols and all that kind of stuff start to started yesterday in the, the first, I'm, I'm sorry, on Monday, the first of March and to give players a seven day COVID quarantine. But Austin FC was a little bit unique because most, if not all the players that are in camp now, were already staying together in the, in a team hotel with, uh, with, uh, with access to, to the F to the Austin FC medical um, staff and the coaches. So they were already kind of in training and already kind of in quarantine. So they were able to, to be able to, to stick together and start training. And some of the photos have started coming out. And the one, the couple guys that have been the center of attention in addressing the team have been Matt Beasler and Alex Ring. So I fully expect both of those guys to be named captains of, of the first, uh, of the first uh, Austin FC roster. Every time I think of Matt Beasler now, I think of his announcement video when he was announced at Austin FC driving in his truck inspired yeah. by Matthew McConaughey. And that's just every, every time I hear Matt Beasler, that's what I think of now. But that's yeah. fine. I'm, ha I'm happy that he's, you know, getting a resurgence, a refresher at a new club. Right. Another player that's getting a, a possible resurgence you just named in the starting 11 in the, in the midfield is Diego Fagundes, who's been right. in the league now for – a decade or so, right. but he's still in his mid twenties, like 26, 27. He's been in the league for a long time. Right. Do you think that he's going to play a big role in the, what could be success of Austin FC in their inaugural season? I think so. Because, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, it, it's, it still seems so strange that he made his debut, I think at 16 years of age. And he's got tons, I think close to 300 games experience in MLS. I mean, he's, He's one of the most experienced guys on the roster, and yet he's only 25. So he's got he's still got a lot of years ahead of him. Uh, and I I think I was honestly I was surprised that he was not protected by by uh, by uh, TC um, uh, DC United. Uh, I was kind of shocked to be honest that they didn't protect him. Uh, I don't know if he didn't meet you mean, the you mean you mean the New England Revolution? I'm sorry. I, I got this confused. Uh, New England Revolution. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're good. You're good. So I, I don't know if he had a problem with Bruce Arena or, or the organization. or Because we all know the type of coach that Bruce Arena is. <laughs> he's a little rough around the edges, a little demanding. So it may be that he's just not the type of player that, that is interested in playing for a guy like that. And so I was shocked that he was in, let, he was in the cut list. Uh, and so I was not surprised that Austin FC was was able to pick him up. So uh, I, I think he'll have. A, I think he will have a resurgence. Uh, a lot of people are are putting the super league, uh, super draft player that they selected first as as a starter instead of him. I don't think so. I really think Fagundes is going to uh, be very very impressive for the for his new team. And he's. I think he's going to be. He's a type of guy. I think that that needs to show what needs to show that he's still quality he needs to show that this you you gave up on me too early so i think he's got motivation to prove that he still has he's still a good quality player hey man that danny Pereira kid's good though you're gonna you're gonna see him play yes danny Pereira is really good and it's it's very interesting that he was that he's going to be a uh he, while in college uh virginia tech he played a box-to-box -box attacking midfielder uh, which is uh, ironically the exact same type of player that Tomas Pochettino is, uh, a central midfielder that goes box to box. So 
Inter one interesting thing about Tomas Pochettino, I think that's, you know, it opens up our eyes to a lot of the, the goings on in Austin in, in MLS is that it recently came out that Tomas Pochettino had been talking to Austin FC since last February. So they, they, they've been talking to a lot of these guys for a while now. And so it just, it just you know, it hasn't been, hadn't been leaked by either the players or the organization, which is kind of interesting dynamic that that happens because and so knowing that they were about to sign Pochettino having uh gotten Pereira which is the exact same type of player but a younger version uh, I think it was no coincidence I think that 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 kind of uh drove them into selecting this kid because he could learn a thing or two from Pochettino and because let's let's be honest Pochettino is probably a guy I think his contract is up for in three years. So he is probably, he probably is trying to do the same thing as Almiron did going from a league in South America to be seen in MLS and then sold off to a team in Europe. And because that's Tomas Pochettino has said in, in interviews that his dream is to go play in, 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 in La Liga or in Serie A. So, you know, it, but if he can get three, three, four years out of a good player or a DP of that caliber and then sell them off, to a team in, 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 in one of those richer leagues and get some money out of him and then still have the same type of player in your roster in Pereira, I think that's an extremely good move. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think for you to even say that, that's a huge compliment to Pereira, you know, that he's going to be able to learn under Pochettino and possibly be the simil a similar kind of player as Pochettino right. in a couple of years. But you guys signed two players today, one of them being our beloved – U.S. men's national team coach's son, Sebastian yeah. Berhalter, on loan with an option to buy at the end of the season. What do you make of that signing? Uh, I think it's an interesting signing. Uh, I think it's just interesting that they signed a lot of Columbus crew players, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but it, it, it's not surprising, really, because obviously Josh Wolf knows a lot of these guys. He's coached a lot of these guys. And so he, he probably got a good sense of, which players uh, still have quality but have not been able to get minutes because there's a better player in front of them. So, you know, I think that's the feeling with it, with uh, this kid, uh, Greg Burhalter's kid, is the same type of feeling. He's 19 years old. He's probably not uh, – doesn't have the experience to jump ahead of whoever's in front of him, but he definitely can be given a chance here. So I, I think it, it's an excellent move. And then the other guy uh, – um, the one, the, the, the Zan uh, Radich? The 21, year, the 21 year old left back, I believe. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, we'll skip the name right now because it's in Slovenian. <laughs> but he, a, another guy that, that brings a lot of quality, he's actually part of the Slovenian national team. So, you know, he's very well regarded. Uh, he's played, played very well. He helped, the, he helped his team uh, win the league title, I think, last year. Uh, in the in the Slo Slovenian pre Premier League, so he brings a lot of quality as well. And being a left back, I think that was one of the areas that was a little lacking in in the roster because I know that they have a Ben Sweat as starter for left back, but they really didn't have any anybody behind him in that position. Uh, so because the other guys that they have are are more central midfielder, uh, I'm sorry, central defensive players, uh, and then Nick, Nick Lima's out in the in on the right side. So they didn't really have someone 
to back up Ben Sweat. So I think this is a very good pickup. I think he's going to be out on loan with the option to buy at the end of the season, but he's super excited to, to come to Austin and, you know, op- open his horizons and open some eyes maybe to some other teams again around the league or around the world, actually. I think one of the interesting things about signing Sebastian Berhalter, who is a Columbus crew homegrown signing, he played one year at the University of North Carolina before signing his homegrown, is that Austin really hasn't had a chance yet to form their academy system. So one of their avenues, one of their avenues to building their roster is picking from these homegrown players who the crew has a really good midfield and so midfield and so do a lot of other teams around the league that homegrowns, whatever position they play, they just can't get into the starting 11 and they can't get meaningful minutes. So hopefully as a crew fan, you know, whether he stays at Austin or he comes back to the crew, I hope we do get to see him. We saw, Aiden Morris shine for the Columbus crew. He got his shot. So I hope Sebastian Berhalter gets a very similar kind of chance with the midfield in Austin. And you guys do need a little bit of depth at uh, a defensive mid at the six. So I think he can provide that for you. Right. But Austin Austin FC do have one DP spot left to fill, if I'm correct, Jorge. Yes, that's right. What position on the field is in the greatest need of a DP caliber player and who would you sign? And, you know, what window are, you, are they looking to sign somebody in? Yeah, um, the, the, the second player that Austin FC actually signed was their first DP player, Cecilio Dominguez. And he brings a lot of experience. He played at America. He played at Independiente in Argentina. Uh, and then he was loaned out to Guarani, playing alongside Rodney Ledes and Johan Romagna. So, they they already came as a threesome really to the team knowing very knowing each other very well uh good friends the three of them uh so that that kind of helped ease all both those three guys to come to the team uh so that that was one dp and then the other was tomas pochettino who's still not in the team yet uh he still has to work out his his travel visa as soon as that's done he's gonna come over here and and be part of the team uh, but as for the third DP, from what we've, uh, from interviews that both Josh Wolf and Claudio Reina have given, they're not too much in too much of a hurry to fill that spot up. Uh, like I said, I think the consensus the consensus around MLS is that they have a pretty good team now. So I think they're going to hold off on signing a DP probably till the summer. And really just see where the need is. I mean, in soccer, anything can happen. So God forbid Pochettino or, or, or Cecilio Dominguez get injured and then you lose your DP. That's a perfect place to get a DP replacement for that. But all things considered, and if all those guys stay healthy and all that kind of stuff, I think one of the things that, that would probably be important for Austin FC to, to look for is a DP in place of Matt Beasler. Uh, big Matt Beasler fan, fan have been since his days as, as, as a regular for the, for the national team, but he's 34. So he, he, I don't anticipate him being a 34 game uh, player. He's going to take a few days off. He's coming off an injury, which is probably he was limited in his appearances for uh, Sporting Kansas City last year. So there's always that issue. So I, I think they're going to see how, how well he does for the rest of the season and then reevaluate in the summer and see who's available as a DP for, for that position back then because central midfielder is, is very, very important. 
it's it's super important role. I mean, uh, I, I sort of follow uh, English Premier League. I'm, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I sort of follow Liverpool. And I saw once Van Dyke got injured as a, at their as you know he's a very very important player for that team, and that sort of threw them for a loop, and that kind of ruined Liverpool season. So that position is very important. So having um, like, like I just mentioned, Johan Romagna is probably going to be the starter, but he doesn't have LMLS experience, as he, and he's only 22 or 21. So, and Matt Beisler, you know, he's, he's a little slower. He's, he's, he's a very smart player. He knows where to be. He's, he, he won't catch him out of position very much. But he may not be able to have the strength to go through the whole season. Uh, so I think definitely that's a position – that Wolf and Reina may address in the summer for a DP spot. Sounds smart. Definitely to kind of wait and see where that need is, but I totally agree. Having, having somebody that might be able to replace or at least help out that position for, for Matt Beasley is, is very important, but we've talked about possible lineups. We've talked about possible captains. Now let's talk about the possible outcome and the finish to the season. So in a recent post from Capital City Soccer, they predicted Austin FC finishing sixth in the West behind the likes of LAFC, Minnesota United, Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, and Sporting KC. Out of the 13 teams in the West, realistically, where do you see Austin FC finishing in the inaugural season? Um, I'd, I'd have to agree with those guys. Um, I think, I think they, they do a lot. They, they're, they're very cerebral guys. They do a lot of analysis. So, you know, they're very, they're very observant guys. So I think, I think probably where they place them is, is a pretty good a soft spot. Uh, I think just kind of going off of, uh, you know, think, things can go either way. I mean, you look at Nashville last year and they did very well. You know, they had things against them, obviously, being a new team. Uh, and then apart from that, COVID restrictions. So, they, so the, uh, I, I really do feel sorry for the Nashville fans that they got to – they, they, they kind of lost that experience of being, you know, uh, in the same situation we are now, we're going to face the same thing. We'd love to fill the state and we'd love to be there for the first game. We, we you know, and it's not going to be possible probably. So, you know, but despite those, those uh, hangups, they did very well. They made the season, uh, they, the, they made the playoffs. They played very well. Uh, they were able to attract some attention. So I think, that's probably a good expectation for Austin FC. I think for the first year, they might be given a pass. Uh, I think people just, just want to experience being in, a, in the stadium with other fans and cheering them on, win or lose. But I think once, once that honeymoon season is over, I think like every other MLS team, they expect to, to not only be in the playoffs, but go deep in the playoffs. So I think if we get to the second round, you know, not, not just the playoffs, maybe the second round. I think that's pretty – that'd be a pretty successful season. Hey, hey man, I'm just going to say, just just don't do what Inter-Miami did. No. Do <laughs> no, no, no. We don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do what FC Cincinnati did. Um, I, although I do feel – I understand FC Cincinnati's point of view. They wanted to reward the players that got them from USL – to MLS. They, they wanted to keep the same guys, give the same energy. They, they played really good in the U.S. Open Cup. But I think they finally realized that the quality of a, of a USL player is not the same as the quality of an MLS player. 
So, you know, they got their coach fired, they got half their roster eliminated, and they're still recovering from that. So uh, things can go either way for really for any team. We could go the United, uh, Austin, uh, I'm sorry, the Atlanta United way and win the league in their second year or. Yeah. Yeah, it could, it could Miami. go. Yeah, you really <laughs> do. You'd love to see, you know, an expansion team come out and do well. You know, Nashville, watching Nashville last year, they went through some hiccups, but they managed and got it together at the end of the season. That's something that I really enjoyed watching was them match up against some of these really good teams and actually do well. So I'd love to see that, although. Don't do what Inter Miami did. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Inter Miami got very lucky this year because of COVID with the expanded playoffs. But one thing I want to touch on, Jorge, you just talked about it, brought up an analogy in my head that I never thought of before with mm-hmm. FC Cincinnati essentially almost being promoted from the USL yeah. to the MLS. It's almost like a championship side being promoted to the EPL right. and only bringing in a couple players of better talent and. For some reason, I've never made that analogy before, but what you said just brought it right to me. But I I couldn't agree more. But like you said, we have seen LAFC and Austin come in, and they've – not Austin, LAFC and uh, – Atlanta United. Atlanta, Atlanta. You said Austin when you meant to say Atlanta, so I'm doing the same same thing. But but we have seen wooden spoon winners like Cincinnati. Minnesota struggled early. So we've seen these teams really struggle, but, you know, it would be nice to see, even as a crew fan, it would be nice to see Austin, you know, do well in in year one. So, but in in the past week, social media has been dominated by kit releases. Today we saw San Jose, but some of my, some of which is a super clean Jersey. I love the blue. I love the tribute back to 2001 championship MLS cup champions. I love that tribute. But some of my favorites so far, LA Galaxy's retro kit thrown back right, to when Kobe yeah. Jones played. Yeah, that's sharp. I, I, I love Atlanta's black kit with the five stripes down the middle. I love Philly's kit that, like, really the sky blue, baby blue look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts in year one in the very first ever Austin FC kits? What do you think? Uh, I'll just do a caveat here. I love everything first for Austin FC. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say I love everything about LAFC, about Austin FC. Uh, being had had that being said, uh, as an out, if I were to be an outside observer, uh, I I think it's a good kit. I think it's a nice kit. Uh, the the reed and black vertical stripes. It's something that. The only Austin, I'm sorry. See, there we go. Going. The, the only other team that does that is uh, Atlanta United. And I think Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, are the ones that have vertical stripes. But uh, I, I think of teams like Sassuolo in, in Serie A. And there's several other teams around, around, the, around the world that have a kits similar to that. And they're very attractive. You know, Chivas has something similar with vertical stripes. So, I think it's going to be unique. It's it, you know each team has their own home jerseys that that they're proud of, but I think it's one of those jerseys. Uh, they interviewed the uh, w- one of the front office people for Austin FC that has been you know these because these things take years to develop. So these this this kit probably had been settled on a year ago. It just hadn't been leaked. Mm-hmm. So they they knew the concept and they just obviously were able to to do some research onto other teams and that kind of thing. And they saw that, you know, this type of vertical striped uh, jersey is very attractive when you see it on the television in the, in the sense that 
since we're going to be one of several teams that are that are going to that are not going to have uh, atypical jerseys, and when we play uh, Atlanta United, we're not going to play, you know, their black and then and and, and uh, red stripes with our black and green stripes. We're going to have our white kit probably if we go to them, and vice versa if they come here. So, but you'll be able to tell, and as you always been able to tell when you. If you don't know who's playing, but you see it on the TV, you know, oh, Atlanta United is playing because I recognize the jersey. It's the same concept for Austin FC. When you see a game on MLS and you don't know the teams that are playing, but you see, oh, one of the teams has the vertical green and black stripes, oh, that's Austin FC. And that's what they were going for, to be able to be visually attractive, uh, different from everybody else. So I think um, I think it's a good concept that, that they were able to come up with. Yeah, there's recently been a knock on the Adidas and MLS partnership where right. every team is black and white. You know, they wear black at home, white on the road, or vice versa. And us as crew fans, we have our black kit that we wore last year that's just going to have a star added on it because we're right. champions, you know. And then right. we just got Hated a white them. kit. Every Everybody was hoping, everybody was hoping for a banana kit, a gold kit, and we got a white kit with a hint of gold, a hint of black, and a, a championship Painted. patch on the right. side. But <laughs> what, especially as an expansion side, and really what every side should strive for within the MLS is having a kit that is identifiable and on brand. And that is exactly what you just said. If you turn on the TV, if you turn on Fox Soccer or wherever ESPN Plus, wherever that game is being aired, you should know that oh. There are those vertical stripes, green and black, that is Austin FC. Or you right. see that banana kit, and it used to be the Columbus Crew, and now it's Nashville. So who's really the yellow soccer yeah, team we'll, in the MLS? Yeah, well, us as fans will have to pay a little more attention to see, oh, which team? Okay, that's the team that's playing. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is very important, especially year one, but even in our what is now our 26th season, Right. Hopefully we do get a, hopefully we do get a, a third kit before the kickoff of the season, right, and we get a banana exactly. kit. Yeah, like a, a commemorative championship kit or something like that. So give, give the fans what they want, you know. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm a big big fan of third kits. Uh, so like uh, I'm I'm also a fan of Juventus, and they 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 their third kit is a kind of like a yellow, uh, uh, orange, orange and black uh, uh, smoke thing that 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 they have. It's really sharp. Uh, and again, you can tell who's playing. That, oh, that's Juventus playing because they have that third kid jersey. I'm really hoping that that at least, you know, you guys and LAFC and, you know, those, those types of teams uh, are able to get that third kid going. So I think one of the, one of the reasons why was sales that they wanted, I think Adidas wants to see a certain amount of sales before they announce that they're going to do a third kid, I think, for next year. So uh, I think I think we should all buy jerseys. <laughs> yeah, I think across across the MLS, they wanted to see how many people they could rip off with these with these designs that they've been right. putting out there for the most part. But I'm just <laughs> I'm just giving them a hard time. <laughs> but uh, before we end this this wonderful conversation, Harry, that we'd have with, that we've had with you, last but not least, as a supporters group, I'm sure Austin Anthem is striving to create a unique match day environment. Right. When it can be done so safely. Right. As an away fan, what should I expect? Or what should Blake expect? Or what should anybody expect when attending a game at Q2 Stadium? Um, honestly, uh, since since the team was announced and you know we touched on a little bit about rivalries and and Twitter wars and all that kind of stuff, 
Uh, I honestly don't think that will, there will be any animosity coming from Austin FC fans in the sense we're used to welcoming all sorts of people to our city. When, when South by Southwest uh, is, is on, you know, a good 90% of the people that come aren't from Austin and they're, and they're more than welcome. You know, we hang out with them and we talk to them and, and we, we party with them. ACL is the same way. Uh, other, you know, work conferences, tech conferences, business conferences. It, a lot of people enjoy coming to Austin. So I, I anticipate uh, any away fans to come to the to Austin FC games that they're going to be treated fairly well. I mean, we have uh, one of the things that's going to help is being uh, a member of, of the of, of ISC because we're going to be know each other and we're going to work each other on, on away plans and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's always, there's already talk of those kinds of, of situations happening and we all have a code of conduct that we all follow. And, and that's, that, you know, kind of lit, kind of drives those kinds of things. But outside of the stadium, I fully anticipate Columbus crew fans and Austin FC fans congregating in local breweries and restaurants and, you know, having some friendly banter talk, just like we're talking right now, you know, just, you know, who, who you, one thing we might have in common to say the U S women's team is, Oh yeah, this, you know, she's my favorite player and, you know, politics mm-hmm. sucks or, you know, whatever. So we have a lot, we're, we'll have a lot of, a lot of common things that we can speak of. And, and there's probably teams that both fan bases will hate. So I think uh, uh, you re- really, honestly, you should be looking forward to coming to Austin to play. You, you're not going to, we're a very, very friendly town. Uh, we're, we're not, we're not the type of, of folks that instigate any fights or anything like that because that's just not in the nature of the city, you know? So uh, I, I fully anticipate whoever, whatever fan base ends up coming to Austin will enjoy themselves coming here. We've already heard a lot of Dynamo fans and, and Dallas FC fans that are looking forward to come to Austin because they come here all the time anyway. So, you know, they have friends here. We have friends in Houston and Dallas. So, so it, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun for at least, especially the three Texas team and their fan bases it's going to be a lot of fun in fact we're already talking about doing a cascadia type of type of tournament uh so uh that that uh, folks up in sounders vancouver and portland have so working working on something very similar so i i I, i'm really i'm really looking forward to welcoming a lot of a lot of the fans that are coming to to watch us play very cool. And even if there was a little bit of animosity between crew and Austin fans, you wouldn't even know they were crew fans because they don't have a gold kit. You know, wearing white or black, so you don't even know. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't know. <laughs> and, and so just uh, just don't wear that much because <laughs> I can guarantee. You know, humans being humans and projecting, like like Michael said, you never know. But uh, no, I'm just, come all in yellow. We don't really care. <laughs> You'll be more than welcome. We'll wipe our beers. Hey, I like beer. <laughs> Who doesn't like beer? If you're a soccer fan and you don't like beer, then you're not a soccer fan, man. <laughs> Clip that, Mike D. <laughs> Amen, brother. All right, so real quick, I don't know if you if you can leak this to us because this hasn't been done in a game televised. Do you have a favorite chant? And what why, what might we see feature on the TIFO? Um, we'll I'll keep the TIFO close to our vest. Uh, we, we are working with another supporters group uh, because we have, we have the little ones, the little, uh, you know, the, the, the little, the two, 
the two buys and all that kind of the two pole ones, but the big ones, we were working on those together. So we'll, we'll, we, we don't want to leak those out, but as far as the chant, I think it's obvious the chant that we're going to do is the all right, all right, all right. chant. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Uh, it's the oh, one that we, that we, it's super easy to learn, super e easily adapted that in the, when, when the team was announced, I mean, that's the first chant that you heard, you know, all right, all right, all right, Austin FC. So, you know, that, that's caught on a lot. So you'll, you'll be hearing that chant a lot, but, but, uh, we have, we have a pretty good group of, of musicians that, that, you know, well, fans that are musicians that have helped, uh, those chants along. So I think we'll be, I think we'll be we're further ahead than what most people might think. And, and so we'll work with all of the fellow supporters groups and getting that, that kind of stuff ready. So I think you'll be more than entertained. Well, great. And the governor of Texas just came out and said that he wants to open the state back up hundred percent and right. that there's no more restrictions. But I saw the statement that came out from Austin Anthem saying that whenever you guys have your get togethers or whatever, you're going to be required to wear masks. Right. Hypothetically speaking, if he opens, if the governor opens the state back up 100% and you guys can fill the stadium, right? do you think that is something that's actually feasible and something that's going to happen come the first ever kickoff at Q2? Um, I will be honest. Uh, the deal's a little complicated, but the stadium technically belongs to the city of Austin. So it's a city of Austin building. So I think what Austin FC is going to do is work hand in hand with with the, the Travis County uh, health folks and the city of Austin health folks and come up with a number and a capacity. Uh, I think uh, the biggest thing that's, that's going to drive that is the number of people that are vaccinated and, you know, other factors that, 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 that are, you know, number of cases and all that kind of stuff. We'll be able to drive that because I think my hope is by, by the end of the summer or midsummer, we will be able to have that capacity. Uh, but I really don't think the, like, I think our first game is going to be sometime at the beginning of January. I'm sorry, of a June. Uh, I don't anticipate it being more than 50% capacity. Uh, and I won't anticipate anything met more than that until the summer and until the, you know, the, until the COVID situation is handled a little, the numbers are a little better looking. And I think in, I think most of the businesses and organizations around the city are in consensus that, yeah, they can be a hundred and percent open and no masks. They're still going to require masks if you want to be in their businesses. So I think those kinds of things are just so difficult to predict. Uh, but I'm hopeful that we will be able to, to at some point in the season, we will have a full stadium. Wouldn't that be something I am so ready to yes. Blake has been fortunate enough, like you said, to go to the, the MLS cup final. So he was actually able to get into a stadium to watch a soccer game, yeah. something that I haven't been able to do. And I'm, I'm ready. Even just to see fans in the stadium again, you know, right. after goals are scored and to hear that roar, I'm, I'm just super stoked, hopeful that it, that will happen. Right. Um, so we'll see, but I think we're going to close it out. I will let Blake do the honors here, but before I let him do that, Jorge, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you have an extensive knowledge of the soccer history in Texas, so don't say that you don't because you do. Um, and <laughs> also you. other 
other leagues and, and players uh, around the world. So um, best of luck to Austin FC. Um, try to keep your head above water because you got a lot of stuff going on, it sounds oh, like. Yeah. You're doing some great stuff. Um, and listen, be good. Because if you can't be good, be careful. <laughs> I totally screwed that up. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out because I screwed it up. But anyway, go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, Jorge, thank you so much for joining MLS Gone Wild. Like Mike D said, you do have an expansive amount of knowledge of the city, even though I, you didn't say this on the podcast, you're originally a Seattle Sounders fan. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Again, Jorge, Thank you for joining MLS Gone Wild. Do you have any closing thoughts before you guys open up your inaugural season of MLS play? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, w- I also want to thank you guys for having, having me on. Uh, this is something very new to the city. Uh, most fans around town have a different, uh, different um, relationships with their, with their soccer team that's not in the city. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot of, lot of learning on our part, not only just as a supporters group, but Austin FC is an organization, how we deal with each other. So uh, we're just going to lean on, on the help from all the other um, team um, uh, fan bases like you guys. Uh, you know, you, uh, it's very admirable, obviously, that you were able to do something that no other fan base is able to do and save your team. So I think that's something definitely that we could all learn from. Uh, that, that passion like this is, is pretty deep. And so we're looking forward to establishing our own identity alongside the team and alongside the city. And so, you know, I, I do appreciate the opportunity to be in you guys' podcast and to, to help, you know, set some expectations when you all come to visit here, here as opposing fans. Absolutely. I've been to Maffrey stadium and the only other MLS stadium I've been to is DC United stadium. So Jorge, I look forward to traveling to Austin, to experiencing the breweries and the restaurants oh, yeah. and everything you explained to us, the diversity in meeting you and all the great people of Austin Anthem and the other three supporters group that back Austin FC. Yes, absolutely. Listeners, thank you for listening to season three, episode four, MLS Gone Wild featuring Austin Anthem board member, Jorge Chavez. Tune in next week for our interview with FC Cincinnati supporter group, The Pride. Until next time, wear a mask, stay healthy, and we'll see y'all next week. Peace.